Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and this is the show that uh, you should know already that we we go over, we review yesterday's slate just a bit, try to learn from some sharp players what what they did yesterday, and uh, touch upon about today's slate. Of course, it's early, which means uh, we don't have uh, you know much projections in. Uh, we may not even know some starting pitchers, uh, and uh, and and we'll we'll talk about uh, DFS strategy as I always do, interacting with the YouTube chat. So if you're here live, if you're not here live, uh, if you're listening on the podcast, you, there there's a podcast feed of this show. So you can go to iTunes, go to your, wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, search for the DFS pregame show Roto Grinders and subscribe there. Rate and review. And uh, but if you're here live on YouTube, I, I you're my priority. I answer your questions, so hit that thumbs up button, hit the thummy thumbs. I see you in the morning. I see you, Jerome Lewis, Daniel Hutchins, Brandon McNeil, Card Fan, Matt Mears, Dave Spag, Woo Woo J Train, Frederick Duke, Andrew Garcia, Doug Montgomery, Kevin M, uh, Sal Correo. I say, hey, oh, I see you, see you all in the chat, uh, with me, the, the regulars, right? It's kind of like a romper room. I looked at look at the mirror, right? We got we got Devin. Devin's producing today. Eli Eli has a day off. He's he's off gallivanting somewhere. So I'm doing something musically, right? He's clapping. He's going around clapping around town. So feel free to say hi to Devin in the chat. Waking up early to help me here. Uh, but but yesterday, yesterday I was close. Yes, I see. I see uh, Frederick saying, "Oh, so close again last night." I got some steak knives, right? That's what I always say. Uh, most of these payout structures on, on especially on FanDuel, but on both sites, uh, are like are like Glen Gary, Glen Ross, right? You know that 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 speech Alec Baldwin gives in the beginning, where it's like he's having a competition, right, in the sales office. It's like first first place is a Cadillac, second place is a set of steak knives, third place is you're fired, right? So that's. That's kind of like the payout structures in, in DFS. So set of steak knives. So that's what on, on FanDuel yesterday I came in sixth and seventh. Uh, There's actually a duplicate lineup up first because that was a four-four of uh, Toronto and Toronto and uh, the Dodgers with Manaya because Toronto had uh, Grichik had a double dong and uh, Toronto scored enough points in general and then you combine it with the Dodgers. So obviously, I mean, they scored eleven runs in the first inning against Carlos Martinez. So, so I had a bunch of the Dodgers yesterday. Yesterday, my main teams, my main teams. If I look at my notes, uh, was uh, Colorado, Los Angeles, the Dodgers, uh, the Rockies, the Dodgers, the A's, and the Marlins as the ones that I was the most like over over the field. Uh, and you can see that in my lineups. I mean, this would this was both Manaya lineups. Uh, Colorado, one, two, three. With a Jazz Chisholm one-off and a, and a four-man, one, two, three, four-man Dodgers. Here's another one. Here's Miami three-man, Dodgers four-man, and Juan Soto one-off. And the Dodgers actually came in lower owned uh, than I thought on on, on FanDuel. The, the, the Rockies actually came in o- higher owned than I thought. So I actually probably would have had less Colorado and more Dodgers had had I figured figured out, I guess Tapia was was six point eight percent, right? But even sticking guys like McKinstry, right? He was one point seven percent owned in a in a Dodger stack, so even that was fine. I had mostly Manaya and Bueller, 
I had a little bit of Montgomery and Valdez on FanDuel. But Manaya, I mean, he, p- he pitched nine. I mean, nine innings, eight, eight Ks. Framber did well. After the first inning, he pitched like 31 pitches in the first inning. And then he still goes like seven and strikes out nine. So that was fine. And the main reason I was playing the Marlins, and we'll, we'll get to this on, 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 on FanDuel, on, on DraftKings. Uh, now, Manoa was not chalky on FanDuel because he was 10K, he was the highest priced pitcher for whatever reason. So the leverage you got on Manoa, on Manoa by playing the Marlins wasn't as great on FanDuel, but they were still low owned. I mean, if you take a look here, Aguirre was 3%, Chisholm was 5%, Dickerson was 1.8%. Because even though Manoa was less owned, you know, he was he ended up coming in at like maybe 12 to 15% owned, which I still think is a little high for his price on FanDuel. He was 10K. Uh, the, no, no one was going to play the Marlins. People were playing the, the were playing Atlanta on FanDuel. The Braves were the super chalk. And then uh, Minnesota. And then he got like Texas and Colorado. I mean, Colorado was chalky enough. I mean, he was they were chalkier than I thought they were going to be. I, I thought they would be owned. I'm not saying that I thought they were going to be 3% owned. I just didn't think Ryan McMahon and Crone, these guys would, instead of being 18, I thought this would be 12. Instead of 13, I thought this would be nine or 10, like that. That's how, that's how I viewed it. But on DraftKings, Manoa was the, the highest owned pitcher. And you can see here, Ending had zero. Jay Butler had zero, had 18%. Brick was under. There weren't that many people that I saw. I mean, the Colts was a little over. Most sharp players were actually under on Manoa and more so and ha- more on Bueller, Manaya. If we take a look at other pitchers, we see Framber, Framber, Montgomery, Montgomery a little bit less so, but Framber, Framber was, was, was one of the sharper plays as a SP2 on DraftKings. Uh, but Manoa, dude, it's recency bias. Yes, he looked great his last start. But you know what his last start was? His first ever start, right? This is only his second start in the major leagues. And I know always facing the Marlins. So still a major league baseball team. And it was a decent Marlins lineup. We're not talking about the Marlins lineup from a month ago, right? Where you see half the team and you go, who the hell are they? When Magnus Magnerius Sierra is batting, is leading, leading off, right? That type of team where Chad Wallach is batting sixth. Right, this is a real team. I mean, they they uh, they had Dickerson in the lineup. They had Garrett Cooper in the lineup. Duvall was batting sixth. I mean, this, this was this was. I mean, they're not a good team, but wasn't as bad as they are. And for Manoa to be like fifty percent owned in his second career start at eighty two hundred, which, if you extrapolated from his first start, eighty two hundred was probably underpriced. If you take the sample size of one start. Me, I go against whatever the field thinks, right? That's what I think. Hey, if the if the notion was that, oh, he, he can't play him because he only, only had one start and he would end up being 10% owned and you played him, okay, I get it. Sample size one, he's the highest owned player on the slate. So I could see on DraftKings, DraftKings, if I was playing GPPs on DraftKings, I would have had a lot of the Marlins because of the leverage because half the, half the field is dead, 4.7 points. He gave up what three home runs, four home runs, left the bases loaded right before getting out. He could have gotten less points. the The bullpen got out of that jam that he that he left them. 
So people get too tied into like the, the fear of missing out. But what happens if Alec Manoa is, uh, you know, what happens if he really is a $10,000 pitcher and I'm getting him for 8,200? And what happens if he does put up 30 points? Well, he's, he's 50% owned. What does that get you? It's more beneficial for let the rest of the field think that he's, he's Cy Young in his second career start and then benefit if he fails. Or at least benefit if, if Manoa puts up 18 points. It doesn't even kill you, right? He, he has to put up some type of ceiling in order to kill you at 50% ownership. I, th- I thought that was stupid. Now, I didn't play GPPs on DraftKings. I played it on, on FanDuel last night, but that's, that's the number one thing I would have done. Like, you did not have to play Manoa yesterday at that ownership. But then we take a look at the bats. Okay, so we still have Acuna, most popular batter. Okay, so let's see. The Braves were still the chalk on DraftKings, even though they they, they they were cheaper on FanDuel than they were on DraftKings. So you got Acuna here, Albies, Riley. Then we got uh, some twins, some twins mixed in there, right? Cruz, Donaldson. We got some Rangers with the low. Gallo is 20%. Nationals are stuck in there somewhere. So kind of that was kind of that was like the chalky type of things. And you could see as we as we see nearly every day, yellow. Right. You take you take some of it. I all I do is I go, I go into entries and I go like who came in towards the top with that or have 150 entries. And I just let's see, let's see a bunch of them. And you see what the their exposures in their 150 entries. Most of these towards the top. When you see the batters, we'll take away the pitchers. See, mostly yellow, right? Yes, ending had a ton of Trey Turner. It's a scarce position. Coach S had a ton of Willie Calhoun for some reason. I don't know. Well, he had a ton of the Rangers. He was way over on the Rangers. Low, Gallo, Calhoun, Garcia. But you see, for the most part, it's a lot of yellow. A lot of under- like, take a look at Acuna. Like, most. Yeah, Brick. Neil Corfield. They had a bunch. But for the most part, under. Look, Trey Turner, Larry Oda had 1%. Yet, ending had 48%. You could do that also. He had a bunch of the... Looks like his top team was, was the Nationals. Then you scroll down, and once you get into this five, six, four, five, six range, then you see start seeing green. This is the sweet spot. Look, Cody Bellinger, Dodgers, Dodgers. Yeah, Larry Oda didn't have much Dodgers, but a lot of people had Dodgers. Cody Bellinger against Carlos Martinez. And Cody Bellinger was actually pretty what affordable. Was he affordable on DraftKings? He was he was cheaper on FanDuel. 8% owned. But what was Betts? Where's Betts? Can't even find him. I can't even find him. Where's Betts? Betts was 4.8% owned. But you could see, outside of Lariotto, Dodgers, Dodgers, to over on the Dodgers. We have uh, Justin Turner. Right, six percent owned. I mean, look here's here's all the Dodger stacks. They were under owned on DraftKings. 
They were under-owned on FanDuel also. People let me know, oh, Carlos Martinez, his last start, he did pretty well. He, oh, I, I don't know if we should attack Carlos Martinez. He's had a couple of good starts. But look at his underlying underlying metrics. They're horrible. And and any any decent projection model would tell you that. So you look at the you look at the box scores, you look at the game logs, you go, okay, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be uh shouldn't be uh, attacking Carlos Martinez. And I go, no. Same same thing why you don't look at one sample size of Alec Manoa and go, he's he's Cy Young, and like I got I gotta jam him in all my lineups at 8,200. Same thing. Let, 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 let's take a look at the Marlins on DraftKings. Chisholm was 1.79% owned. Wow, I, maybe I should have played on DraftKings last night. At second base, it's not like that's a that's a strong position. Chisholm was one. Let's see, Dickerson, 1%, 1.12%. <laughs> that's yeah, Corey Dickerson, right? We got Jesus Aguiar, 1.63%. What are you people doing? Aguiar, who else hit a home run? Marte hit a home run, right? 3% owned. Okay. Ending at a bunch of hits, right? Alec Manoa, a, a kid making his second ever career start in the majors. Okay. Playing in Buffalo. Remember, Toronto isn't playing in Toronto. And they're not playing in Dunedin in Florida. They're playing in Buffalo, which is still a hitters, a minor league ballpark that is a bandbox. Okay. So picture the same type of it's 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 similar to the Florida Stadium, just it's a little bit colder weather. So second start. And it, oh yeah, but it's the Marlins. It's like, well, these are still professional hitters. Aguiar, Dickerson, Starling Marte, Jazz Chisong. It's not like the crap players. And people decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play 50% owned Manoa and play none of one percent owned Marlins. I mean, that's just leverage, that's just like leverage 101. Leverage 101. I would have made money on DraftKings if I played. I would have made more. Probably who knows? What one? What, what, what was the entry that won? Well, the Dodgers. So I would have had the Dodgers. Probably I would have probably had the the Dodgers, but I probably wouldn't have had Jeffers as a one-off or something, right? I would have had the Dodgers. I would have had like Chisholm and Aguiar and then like just who knows? Who knows what my catcher would have been? Probably still had Bueller and Minaya. Could that have gotten there? I don't know, right? Well, second note, Chisholm is second base eligible, right? So would you have been in the Muncie spot? I don't know. I don't know. I could dream. I could dream. Maybe I should have played more. And maybe what I should have done, really thinking about it, if I knew that I was going to be attacking Manoa because people were getting too overconfident with his one-game sample size, probably I should have played. Knowing that he'd be owned on DraftKings and not as much on FanDuel, I should have played on DraftKings. I should have been building Marlins lineups. Even if I'm not playing 100 entries or whatever, I should have just, I'll build 10 Marlins entries and just throw them in large field on DraftKings. That's what I probably, I probably should have done that. I should think of things like that. Right, because that's where the edge is going to be. If, if Manoa is going to be, I didn't think Manoa is going to be 50% owned. I, thought, I mean, I still think he was going to be 35 to 40% owned on drafting. So you have to play two pitchers. 
I get it. But still, I got, I got my sets of steak knives, right? This is brutal payout structures. Brutal, right? Only a couple of points, right? 715, 500, right? First place would have been what? 25,000, it was split twice. 25,000, 10,000, 5,000, 2,000, Right. You barely make any money, right? 210950 is what I won. I put in like 800. So it's like, wow, barely two and a half X for coming in sixth and seventh amongst all my entries. That's why it's brutal. That's why you, you gotta you gotta aim for you gotta aim for these top spots. You gotta, you're not gonna survive on min caches. You're not, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen, folks. It's not gonna happen. Let's take a look at the YouTube chat. Let's see. What have been people have been talking about? Let's see. Going about. Uh, Kevin M asked, why were you over on the Rockies? Because I thought they were under on comparison in comparison to their projection. Yes. Uh, uh, yesterday, projection. my projection had Colorado as the number one in ceiling, top ceiling, but be less owned than Minnesota and the Braves and the Rangers. Turns out that that wasn't true. They were they were they were less owned than the Braves, but that's about it, right? They were like the second or third highest owned team. I had them as like the fifth or sixth highest owned team. So I'll play more of them. That's it. Let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Sal Correo, any way you could show how to upload edited lineups after you already have 50 lineups entered? Well, just go and download your CSV and just, re, just cut and paste over it. There's nothing There's nothing really to show. Use the CSV. You have, you have your Excel file. You have your just cut and paste the new lineups over it. That's it. Just read. You don't have to edit individual cells. Just whatever lineups, you spit out a lineup page here or whatever, just cut and paste them over them. That's it. Let's see. Go through the YouTube chat. Do, 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 do. Everyone's talking in the, I don't even have to, I don't, do I even have to do anything? Sean V said, Bellinger hasn't done anything. Bellinger's been injured. Mookie has looked awful. Will Smith wasn't in lineup. I think that's part of the reason why the Dodgers were lowered. Yeah, well, that's what you take advantage of. I don't care what, pe what people have been doing the past week. What do I care? If Francisco Lindor is 2,800, I'm playing him. Well, he's been horrible this year. But yeah, but he's a better player than a $2,800 player. I'm going to go by a long, I'm going to go by a large sample size. Right? Until be proven otherwise. Proven otherwise, that means like two or two seasons of him doing nothing. That's the whole point. Take advantage of recency bias by the field. Oh, he's had three good starts. Oh, that means he's that means he should be sixty three percent on. That doesn't mean anything. Should he be sixty three? Is he better than than what he was in the past? Sure, maybe. Look at Madison Bumgarner. Didn't he have like a couple of starts where it's like, oh, he's back, and then nope, he's not back. Right, just a couple. You got a couple of soft matchups, right? I think he faced, he faced like three high strikeout garbage teams. And then he had one good start against a good team. It's like, okay, is he back? And then we see that he's not. He's not. No, he's 
still crap, right? Still not the Madison Bumgarner from 2014 or whatever. But take advantage of that. When people think that and go, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna instead of caring about three three game sample size. Oh, this guy's uh, Patrick Wisdom, right? He's apparently he's God now on the Cubs, right? He's hitting home runs every day. Oh, I got to play him now at four thousand. No, his prior isn't that good. So when people are playing him, you shouldn't. Let's see. Greg Bean says, uh, does it appear that anyone that FanDuel pricing for Coors players is different this year? The bump in price seems to be less than last year. And some players are not bumped at all. It, to me, it's, it all seems random. Seems like on the first game of the series, both sites don't like they, oh, oops, we forgot. That's what it seems like. And then the next day they overcompensate. That, that's what it seems like. Because Texas was expensive yesterday on FanDuel. Like Adolis Garcia was the highest priced player on the slate at 4,500. So Texas was very expensive. Yeah, even Alex Santi is saying, how the hell forsaken way do you play a 60% owned dude making his second career start at 8K? Well, that's exactly what I would say. J10, how impactful is Slate IQ when checking it during the last 30 minutes before lock? If you see a shift in ownership, do you stick with what you have or shift along with it? I shift along with it. But remember, Slate IQ is only for DraftKings. It's not for FanDuel. So like when I'm playing FanDuel, I don't don't care about Slate IQ. I don't care about five-man stacks. I can't make five-man stacks on FanDuel. So for DraftKings, sure, yes. But yes, I want the the most up-to-date ownership. And there are many times, many, that I shift. That I'm I'm setting my my stack exposures and builds at like six fifteen. I'm like, okay, if they're going to be this owned, I'm going to have this much and whatever. And then like I refresh at six thirty, and it's like, oh, and that happened yesterday with the Braves. RG had the Braves ownership on Fanduel uh, at like five o'clock, five thirty, at like eight percent average. And they were coming in as like, you know, like the sixth most owned team on FanDuel. And they projected well. So I was like, if they're, they're going to be the sixth most owned team and they're going to be the third highest projected team, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play more of them. And then once I saw when the ownership update came in, it's like six o'clock up, Braves are the highest owned team, right? 17% average ownership, right? So now I switch now. Like I went from the Braves being my, like, like one of my highest, I was going to have more Braves lineups than my fair share to the complete opposite. Right. I went from having like 20% Brave stacks to having 4% Brave stacks just based on that. Right. If they, if the Braves are going to be the fifth highest owned team and the second highest projected team or whatever. Yes. I'll play 20% Braves. Yeah. I'll take advantage of that. But if it's the opposite way, I go to I'll four percent, I'll put six lineups, whatever, one offs, and I cap the one offs. You know, if Acuna is going to be thirty percent owned, I'm only going to have him in like ten percent of my lineups, like that type of stuff. And if he goes off, whatever, then I lose. I still have some lineups that could win. Typically, those Acuna lineups would be like Marlins lineups, right? The 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 more the more owned 
the higher owned one-offs are going to going to end up in contrarian stacks. But I'm 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 rarely going to play, you know, chalk four, chalk three, chalk pitcher, and you know, chalk one-off on Fanduel since I play primarily four three one on Fanduel. Do, 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 do. Daniel Hutchings says, my main mistake was forgetting I had a dinner date and not being around for a couple of late swaps. Still managed to bag third in the $250 formats. Well, you have to pay attention to your date. If you had a dinner date, maybe you shouldn't have played. You could take a day off. Go have a life. <laughs> maybe that was your mistake. Maybe that's why you're single. I don't know. I know. It could be a dinner date with your wife, I guess. Or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whoever, right? A dinner date. If it was like a, a date, like you match, you're matching yourself up, Tinder or whatever, just don't play. Just you could take a day off. That's fine. Take a night off. Dompier was talking about Michael Dompier about Framber Valdez. People were scared of Valdez because he he was coming off an injury and he pitched 72 pitches the last the last game. You're like, okay. What are they going to bump him up to 90, 85, 90? Nope, nope. They just let him go. 102 pitches. That's what taking advantage of what people are overconfident in. That's all I do. I don't have, I don't have confidence in anything, in anything. I don't, oh, this guy's a good player. I don't, who knows? Yes. Based on the metrics, yes, I guess. They project one point better than other people. I get it. But how much do you really know? The field was overconfident that Framber Valdez, at his price, was ah, maybe he pitches 80, 80, 85 pitches, and his ownership was down because of that. Same for Montgomery. Right, Jordan Montgomery, people look at and go, oh, he's not going to go past 85 pitches, 90 pitches. The Yankees don't let him go. Yeah, but he was an efficient. I mean, he was like at 42 pitches in like the fifth inning against the Rays. So people didn't want to play him. But who knows? Who knows what happens? So take embrace that uncertainty. And if you play for Amber Valdez and he only pitches 78 pitches and comes out before he's even eligible for the win, then so be it. Then you okay, then the lineup doesn't get there. Whatever. You have to take some risks. Uh let's see. J10 says, Blender, can you review Slate IQ briefly to go over, please? There's not much to go over. I would have to find it because we don't have Slate IQ yet posted for today's Slate. Let's take a look. Roto Grinders. This is how you could find stuff. Roto Grinders, Slate IQ. What was yesterday's date? June 2nd, 2021. Let's see. Slate IQ. June 2nd. It's in here somewhere. Yeah, here we go. June 2nd, right, okay. Because there's no link, like unless you knew the URL, you wouldn't be able to get there. Because all the links on the site would point towards the third. But you could always find it on Google. Okay, so yesterday, Slate IQ, like all it's showing you is like based on the simulation that uh, they run, Jamino and Eric Bime for, how many percentage of a time on DraftKings 
of four or five hitter stacks show up in the, the 25 most similar slates. So this is, you can get this in premium. Where's my chance to sort by this? Come on. I can, I can kind of sort by, let's refresh it again. All you're, do, all you're doing with this is the same thing. What teams are under and over-owned? Texas, a little bit over-owned. Atlanta, significantly over-owned. Atlanta, 6.5% chance of their stack being in the winning lineup. The field is going to own them at 8.3%. Negative leverage. Right? Houston, negative. It's like Atlanta, Houston, Baltimore, the Rays, even though a 1% chance the field is going to own them at 1.9%. But you can even see at the bottom, it's like St. Louis, the lowest owned, but also it, it, it has even less likelihood, right? 0.7% chance to win, 0.8% owned. So that's negative leverage. Positive leverage would be Washington, Colorado, Yankees, Oakland, Dodgers, Boston, I guess, down here. This is on DraftKings, though. Based on this simulation, based, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. It's not its not perfect. But that's it. It's the same concept. Does this team, do these players, does my lineup have more of a chance of winning than what they will be owned? That's, that's, all, G, that's all game theory of, GPP play in DFS. Doesn't mean you can't play Texas. Oh, no, they had negative leverage. You can't play Texas. No, it could still be part of your lineup. You just know that with negative leverage, you can't, you're going to have to find, you're going to have to make that up in the rest of your lineup. So if you're going to play Texas, you're probably not going to play Texas and Atlanta together. The two most owned teams and then negative leverage. Texas, Atlanta plus Bueller and Minaya or whatever, or Manoa or whoever. Like that's probably not a good lineup. If you don't have enough leverage. You, know, you play Colorado on, on DraftKings. It was expensive. You could do that. You could play Yankee. If you play a five-man Yankee stack, you could play a three-man Texas stack with that. Why not? There's still high probability. And you got enough leverage. You play Oakland. Do a 5-3 Oakland, Texas. You could do that. Or if you play like Texas Houston, which is negative leverage, you're playing Framber Valdez in that lineup, right? You're fading Alec Manoa, right? That's all this tells you. But I mean, you could you could do this by eye. You could do this by eye yourself. I mean, you could even see, like we have on with premium. We go here. Let's see. Is this up yet? No. Let's take a look. Let's see if we could find this. I don't, yeah, I don't think I don't think this is archived. Let's see if this is. I don't think this is archived day to day. This is a grid. We could see. This is how you find stuff. You go just Google it. Yeah, it's a grid. There's an article on how to use it. Right, if you see here, I can't even, let's see. I can't even zoom in. 
but it'll show the similar type of information, like the smash percentage of the team versus the ownership, the average ownership and the leverage based on that, based on the smash formula. So it's not a simulation. Remember, smash percentage is not a simulation. Slate IQ is a simulation, but there's two different ways. I'm still doing the same exact game theory concept. What teams, what players, what lineups have more of a chance of winning than what they will be owned? Not have the most chance of winning. Something has a 2% chance of winning, but only going to be 1% owned. You could go for that. Even though there's another lineup that 10% chance of winning, that's going to be 12% owned right? That's negatively. Well, it's also going to win five times more often than your 2% chance lineup. So understand that. But you're looking for situations. You're looking for plus EV situations. That's the whole core of D- That's the whole core of GPP play in DFS. Well, why'd you play the Marlins on FanDuel yesterday? That seemed odd. Well, because based on my projections, they had a higher chance of winning than but then we were owned. Aguiar at 3%, Chisholm at 5%, Dickerson at 1%. This should have been, like, Aguiar should have been 6% owned. Chisholm should have been 8% owned. Dickerson should have been 4% owned based on their expectation of a ceiling, ceiling expectation. So they're under-owned. The Dodgers, Bellinger should have been like 14% owned. Bet should have been 12% owned. Turner should have been 11% owned. Muncie should have been 14% owned, but they were under that. So I'm going to play more of them because plus EV. Manaya probably should have been higher than 25% owned on FanDuel. Probably should have been 30 to 32% owned. And there you go. That's it. And that's why I said the Rockies, on the other hand, ended up being more owned than I thought they would be. So now at these levels... I wouldn't have, I, had I known these levels, I wouldn't have played as many Rockies lineups. I thought Ryan McMahon would be like half as owned as this. I thought he would end up being 10% owned and Crone would be 8%, you know, and at these levels, it's like, okay. They're not the Braves. The Braves were way over owned, but the, the Twins actually came in less owned than I thought. So had I known that, instead of playing like yesterday, I think I played. On, on, on FanDuel, I think I played maybe like 20 Rockies lineups and six Twins lineups. I may have made that closer, like 12 and 12 or something. That would have lessened my Rockies exposure. But that's I'm, I'm going based on the decision before I see the slate, right? I don't get to see these numbers until after everything locks. I'm like, Colorado's going to be under-owned. And I was like, nope, they, they weren't. Colorado weren't under-owned. The Dodgers were actually more under-owned than I thought they would be. I thought they would be slightly under-owned, but not that under-owned. The Marlins, I expected. So that's the that's the core that's the core of DFS, playing GPPs. That's that's what I that's why I te- that's what I teach in the course. That's the core, the fundamental parts of game theory. Go to theoryofdfs.com. Get my fifteen-hour audio DFS masterclass. I talk about this all the time. If, I mean, obviously, if you watch the show every day, you're going to get bits and pieces of everything that I say in this course. But if you want a one nice 15-hour seminar, so it's like if you just came to a, you know, kind of conference, I, I, me sitting there with a PowerPoint or whatever, pointing stuff out, or whatever, that's what this is. 
You can listen anytime. It's structured education. Re-listen. There are plenty of people that have listened to it multiple times to reinforce concepts. It applies to any sport, so it's not just baseball. But that's all you're doing. Is this, is, is this player, is this team, is this lineup higher or lower chance of succeeding versus what the field will be owning them at? That's it. Just like if you had a six-sided die. Are you going to bet on which number comes up? Well, I'm going to bet if they get better than six to one odds. Right? My payout is six to one. It doesn't matter what I do. Right? You have a one-six chance. Someone says, I'll give you nine to one. Then I'm, I'm making those bets. If someone says, I'm giving you four to one. Then I say, no. That's negative EV. Nine to one, positive EV. That's it. That's all, that's all you're doing. So I'm not, that's why when I say I don't predict outcomes, I'm not. I'm never predicting outcomes. Oh, how'd you know the Marlins were going to do well yesterday? I didn't. All I know is that they had a better chance of doing well than what the field expected them to. That's it. They had a low chance of doing it. The Marlins had a low chance of doing well. But not, not as low as what the field thought it was. That's it. So I'm going to have some Marlins lineups. It's not, why don't you simplify it down to that it's 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 not it's it's really not that complicated. All the numbers are in the projections, so you you have all of that. And you go, what's inefficient? I showed in Discord yesterday on the RG Discord, which I'm a part of. If you're a premium member, you, you get in, you can mention me, you could I'll answer your questions or whatever. Uh, click that link in the description, get ten dollars off your first month for Roto Grinders Premium. But I showed yesterday there was a combination on FanDuel of like, a, it was like Acuna. I could probably find it in Discord. I said, I, I saw it. I just, just to explain the concept. Acuna plus, let's see, where is this? Let me see. Yeah, okay. So I found yesterday, I pull it up in search on, on Discord, that on FanDuel, Acuna, Cruz, and Crone combined is 11K in salary. 89% owned, projected owned uh, in, in total. And has a total median projection of 45.74. Okay. Now, here's this three-man combination. Gallo, Soto, and Freeman. 11.4K, so 400 more expensive. But on FanDuel, the pricing soft. It's close enough. Projection of all three combined, 45.46. A difference of 0.28. That's it. A quarter of a point or so. Their total ownership, 30%. One three-man combination is like 90%. The other is 30%. And there's only a difference of $400 in salary and 0.28 points in projection. So who you should be playing? You should be playing the second the second group. If that fits into your lineup, obviously. That's the concept. That's, that's all it is. That's all it is. I get, mo- I get more benefit by playing the lower on the players that are marginally different. I get more benefit in playing 
the lineups, the lineups, the full lineups that are half his own and project only one point lower than other lineups. Yes, Acuna is the best play, but not by a million points, by a point or two, right? In the total lineup. And we saw in that combination, not even. Based on the projections. So that's what you're doing. How do you play Soto? Lefty, lefty. What? Why not? He still projects for something. Doesn't mean, oh, lefty, lefty. Can't, can't do well. Yeah, it gives him a little downgrade. But he still wants Soto. Why can't you play him? What's his projection? So everything that, like that is already factored into the number that you're looking at. So if you look and you see Acuna is projected for 16 and Soto is projected for 14 and one's a third of the ownership, are you willing to sacrifice two points median, which is a walk, a walk, a run? Just that's it. A hit by pitch. To get a third of the ownership. Well, yeah. Hell yeah. Especially on FanDuel. On FanDuel, you could build, you could build lineups that are that are that if you if you build four fours, let's say, for instance, you build four fours and you built the chalkiest four four, the the highest projected four four you can. And that's you know, let's say it's 200 percent owned total. I'm just making up a number. Within five points of that projection just five points of that projection, you could find a lineup that's 100. That's half half his own. And you could find plenty of them. That's within five points of that lineup. What's five points on FanDuel? That's a hit, a RBI single. Over the scope of your whole lineup. So not like an RBI single difference between one player versus one player. No. It's versus 10 players versus 10 players. Picture everything. Five points. That's it. We're talking about a, a strikeout, a strikeout and a run. I mean, like over the scope of your entire lineup. Yet people are going to jam in 36% owned Ronald Acuna. They're going to jam in, you know, 32% owned Trey Turner. Because why not? They're the best projector. Okay. Why why can't why can't you play different players? a different combination of players. That still gives you a high projected lineup. DraftKings is a little bit more difficult because the pricing tends to be a little bit tighter. But you could do that there. Probably you have to give up more than five points. But when you you could gain a 50% ownership decrease and not give up that many points in projection, you should try to be playing as many of those lineups as possible. Let other people go down and stack the Braves. And the days that the chalk hits, yes, the scores are going to be high and you're not going to win. Okay, and move on to the next day. It'll fail more often than, than it'll succeed. And on the days where all the chalk hits, where the one-off, the Nelson Cruz 42% one-off gets a double dong, and you only have him in like three of your lineups and they, they end up not getting there, then you look, okay, then that's a bad day. Minus 80%, okay, fine. But that's not going to happen every day. So I, re- I reiterate this over and over again. That's why, that's why I don't like doing picks. That's why I do this show. 
for strategy. It's hard to get on Grinders Live or Crunch Time and say, who do I like? What do you mean, who do I like? This, who do you think is going to do well? I don't know. All I'm, all I'm doing is putting together math problems. That's all I'm doing. Oh, this is what I think this is going to be on. This is what they're projected at. And there's an inefficiency there. So I want to take advantage of it. Well, are the, are the Marlins going to do well? I have no idea. All I know is that based on these numbers, they're going to do better than what they're what they're owned by a little, by not that much, but by a little. But that little arbitrage there means let me get some Marlins into my lineups. And I also know on DraftKings that if I play Marlins, that, well, there's a negative correlation right there with the pitcher that's 49, 50% owned. Well, do you don't think Alec Manoa is going to do well? I don't know who's going to do anything. All I have are probabilities. That's what these numbers represent, probabilities. Can I build lineups that have a higher probability of doing well compared to what they're really on? That's it. Is that going to happen tonight? I have no idea. All I know is that I'm going to do it over and over and over. DFS doesn't end today. That's the, that's the thing that I think when people say, well, what, hap- what happens if I... What happens if Chalk Nelson Cruz said it's three home runs and I don't have them? Well, then you lose. Well, well I don't want to lose. It's like, well, it, does DFS go away today? Is this, is this the last day at DFS? Does DFS not exist tomorrow? Well, being that it exists tomorrow on the day after and you get multiple slates, you can play the late slate, the early slate, the all day slate. You could, there's tons of slates, tons of sports, tons of everything. Why don't you continue making those plus EV decisions day after day after day after day? And the results come. Which day the results come? Who knows? I don't. I didn't know I was going to make 10000 the other day and get a set of steak knives, right? Come in sixth and seventh yesterday on FanDuel. I've had like, now I've had like over like 10 top 10 finishes. The highest being second, I mean... I'm not getting lucky enough at the top. But that easily could have been, you know, three wins. And I could be sitting here, you know, rolling the dough, right? Throwing throwing dollar bills in the air. I can't control that. I don't know what day it's going to happen. But if I trust the model and use game theory, like those, that those, those inefficiencies will end up being realized. You'll realize your expected value. What they it could happen three days in a row. Oh wow, three days in a row, and then not happen for three months. Who knows? I'm not in control of that. Brett Booth asks, how do you know in, in your example that Turner should be 14% owned? Experience. I'm just I'm just I'm, I'm spitballing. I'm there's no exact number. I'm not giving you an exact number. Based on his projection, he's the Dodgers, the Dodgers were under-owned. The Dodgers should have been a little bit more owned. How much should Justin Turner specifically at third base? I don't know. Because third base tends to be more, on yesterday's slate, a little bit scarce. So I, I bumped him up a little in my head. No exact number. I was, just, I was, I was making up the numbers as, as an example. When I see Mookie Betts at 9%, I go, well, Mookie Betts, in comparison to the other higher price outfielders, should have been closer to them. Should it, they, he have been the same as Acuna? No, of course not. Acuna should have been more owned. But Betts shouldn't have been 9% owned. 12, 12 to 15. 
If he if he ended up coming in 13% owned, I'd be like, okay, that's about what he should be owned based on projections. So no, there's no, there's no exact numbers. I'm just trying to explain the concept. Uh, Gavin Nokomovitz on FanDuel on a short slate, like three to five games. Do you just eat the chalk pitcher if there's a significant gap? Or do you look elsewhere and try to form more an upside with your bats? I don't do either. I try to build plus EV lineups. If they happen to have the chalk pitcher and they have enough leverage, then so be it. And if it's not the chalk pitcher, then you have to stop thinking in terms of plays. I'm not, I don't play anyone. I build lineups. The reason why I didn't have that much Framber Valdez yesterday on FanDuel is because it was nearly impossible. He didn't project well. He projected decently, but there was no need to only have a 7K pitcher. Like say 7,500, I think yesterday on FanDuel. So like the only way for me to play Framber Valdez was like in my Rangers like these expensive combinations. And remember, I was playing less of the Braves. So I didn't want to, like Framber Valdez could get with Acuna. Okay, I, with the Braves. So Bra- basically Braves Rangers, Framber Valdez could fit into and still have a high enough projection that that he still fits into my 150 set. But I, but I purposely am playing less of the Braves. So now what, what, what is it pairing it with? I just wasn't playing enough. I was playing a lot of Marlins who were cheap, right? So now it's, unless I say that I don't mind leaving 4,000 on the table, it's not going to give me, I'm not going to get much Valdez. So it's not, that's what I'm saying. I'm not picking players. I'm building lineups. Is it more likely that if there's on a short slate and there's one pitcher that projects the eight points higher than another, the second highest pitcher, then I want to play more of them? Probably. Not definitely. Most likely you're not going to be able to make up those eight points just in bats. So yes, most likely I'm going to have a lot of that. It depends on how much they're owned. Like let's say that there's that big of a gap and and the guy's only going to be 45% owned. The highest owned, but probably he should be 80% owned. So I'll probably be over. But if it's the type of thing where he has that eight point advantage over any other pitcher, and he's going to be 80% owned. Maybe I have less. Maybe I still I still have him in half my lineups. But maybe 80% is maybe the arbitrage there is maybe maybe he should only be 74% owned. Maybe. All of my decisions based on what the field is going to do. You're still thinking in terms of what you're going to do. I don't think about what I'm going to do. I don't build lineups based on what I'm going to do. I base lineups what other people are going to do. To me, the most important number in that I could find in lineup HQ is is projected ownership. All the ownership stuff, all the and I'll run lineups just to test it. Like if you're using bat projections, I could aggregate projections from around the industry. So I'll aggregate all the projections, average them out and then throw them into lineup HQ and just run 300 lineups with like a, some max cap settings. So I'm not getting like all of everything. And then go, oh, okay, based on the aggregate, 
Like this team's going to be more, this team's going to be owned. This team's going to be less owned. This team's going to, and I look at the projected ownership and I go, yeah, this team's going to be a little higher owned. This team's going to be a little lower owned. And you can eyeball that sometimes. You don't even need to, you don't even have to run it. Just go around the industry and just go, well, what is the ownership here? What's the ownership there? What are the projections there? Sometimes you like you use the bat. Bat projections are higher on certain teams than other other projection systems. But other people use other projection systems. So I want to know what they're looking at. To me, that's the most important thing. Let's see. Any last questions before we get out of here? Rob Rodriguez, is it more accurate to calculate stack sum or stack product using the percentage owned on individual players provided in the bat when trying to determine which stacks are over or under owned? Typically, I'm looking at the average. So neither. So not even the stack sum or the stack product. The stack mean. I think that's a better way of putting it. Like the average. So if they have 20%, 20%, 10%, 10%, like the average is 15. And looking at, I mean, as a toy, I mean, just as a ballpark figure. These are all ball, ballpark figures. I'm not, I'm not putting in and making advanced math formulas. I eyeball everything. I, I utilize concepts. I don't, I don't, I don't seek to be precise. I never have. Is there a way to be precise? Yes. Is it worth going through all the notion of trying to be as precise as possible? No, I don't think so. I, I'm going to be I'm going to be directionally correct. I'm going to be directionally correct, but not as precise. That I mean, but I that's that's my been my philosophy for anything, not just DFS in general. I don't care about being perfect. I care about being uh, more. Uh, more right than not, more often. For less amount of time and resources. So like, that's the way. Just like I said, like I could, I could, I could learn some Python, right? I've, I've a pro, I have a web development background. I, I could, I could learn some Python. I could make, I can make my own model. I could do everything that Cardi does. Can I ever do it as well as what Cardi does? Probably not. And it'll take me at least five years even to get to the point where I'm maybe even close. And that's five years of like 20 hours a week, 40 hours a week doing it. To what? So I could get the same projections that I could just pay $300 for? So that sounds stupid to me. Or maybe I could build better ones, maybe or whatever. How much more accurate do I need to be? Well, here it says Jose Abreu, 8.67. It's like, but really the most precise is 8.81. It's like, what, how much am I gaining by that? I'm going to spend hours upon hours a day so I could get a 0.2 difference in my in baseball projections that are already ridiculously variant to begin with? Or do I just need something reasonable enough that's close enough and conceptually be directionally accurate more than, often than not? And don't have to spend all that time. <coughs> so that's how I think about DFS. Okay, hit hit the thumbs up button on the way out. The thummy thumbs, we appreciate that here. 
Right, they tell me I, I need to get more thummy thumbs, more thummy thumbs, more subscribe scribes, more notification belly bells. We got the bells, right? The notification bell to know when I go live, when this channel goes live. Uh, uh, MLB Grinders live coming up later today with uh, a bunch of people, right? I never, I never look at the schedule before I say who's coming up. It's uh, probably, probably Dean. I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna guess Dean and, and Grant. It could be, could maybe Dean. Grant and who? Andre. Oh, so Dean's not even on. Oh, you don't even get Dean today. Oh, well, it's a three man. Okay, okay. So it's it's Dean, Grant, and Andre. Uh, so you got three. You got three guys for Grinders Live, and then Crunch Time for premium members. Sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Hit the link in the description for ten dollars off your first month. And uh, and I'll see you tomorrow. I mean, there's an eight game slate today. We didn't even talk about it. What does it matter, right? Right. Projections are out or, I mean, lineups aren't even out. Who knows? Who knows what's going on? We'll talk about it tomorrow for casual Friday, but it's always casual here, right? It's always casual. Me answering your questions here on YouTube every Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. 